The Marching Roundtable is an official media partner of Drum Corps International. This podcast is sponsored by DeMolin Brothers and Company, found at demolin.com. This is Tim Hinton with another conversation recorded at the Arcadia Music and Arts Symposium in Arcadia, California. Texas bands are revered for their level of achievement and success, but how do they accomplish this? I sat down with three amazing educators from the state of Texas who share some of the philosophies, practices, and strategies that help Texas band directors accomplish great things. In Texas, there's no deep, dark secret as there is anywhere else in the country. Notes is notes, rhythms are rhythms, <laughs> and, and people are maybe looking for a quick fix, and it's not there. But uh, Texas band directors are eager to share with one another, and, and even if you suspect somebody doesn't want to share, uh, they sure enough won't share unless you go up to them and ask them. Mm. No, uh, you need to develop for yourself, and, and the directors in, in Texas have developed an environment in which it's safe to fail, not a fail-safe environment. Mm-hmm. And that starts with the individual stepping out and asking questions to be, uh, get around those people that make you a little nervous that because you know what they do for work. Don't be afraid to hear what isn't working. You don't get better unless you know what isn't working. Great information recorded live at the Arcadia Music and Arts Symposium, shared here on the Marching Roundtable. This podcast is sponsored by DeMolin Brothers and Company, found at demolin.com. DeMolin Brothers and Company is now celebrating 125 years of service. Founded in 1892, DeMolin is currently the oldest and largest manufacturer of apparel for the marching arts and music industry. With 21 full-time regional sales managers, DeMolin offers full services to band, corps, and guard directors, including custom creative design collaboration, as well as finished prototype samples and full measuring services for all programs. DeMolin is the official uniform sponsor for the Cadets and Cadets II Drum and Bugle Corps, as well as the U.S. Army All-American Marching Band. DeMolin is also an official sponsor of Drum Corps International. DeMolin's design staff includes the notable creative talents of Michael Gray, Chad Dugan, and Rob Depp. These designers will provide custom art renderings in collaboration with your staff to give your program the necessary edge for the most competitive environments. DeMolin offers its customers a full-scale catalog, including multiple uniform concepts, as well as a complete line of accessory products for field and stage. Find them at demolin.com or call toll-free 800 228 8134. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marching Roundtable Podcast. This is Tim and thank you so much for listening. I am at the Arcadia Music and Arts Symposium and we're recording live with these three amazing educators from Texas. So I'm going to ask them each to introduce themselves, starting here with my left, please. <laughs> of course. I knew you were going to have to go I'm first. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing, used to be I'm... last. That's okay. <laughs> well, my... Story of my life. Start with you, Dr. It's Ramirez. okay. It's a good thing you didn't start with me. And we're having way too much fun here. Uh, my name is James Macholka, and I'm the director of fine arts in Northside School District in San Antonio. Uh, we're a very large school district. We're the fourth largest in Texas. Uh, and it's an amazing journey for us. I've been I've been in the district 43 years, in one one district. Awesome. I've uh, taught ele- uh, middle school. I've taught uh, high school for 14 years, and I've been the uh, director of fine arts for 28 years. 
I'm the uh, senior citizen of the music administrators in the state of Texas. I was part of the original 12 people that uh, decided we needed to do something to create an organization that would support our campus band, choir, orchestra programs, elementary music programs. So it's been a great journey. It's a huge, huge district. We have uh, 82 elementary schools, uh, 21 middle schools, and 11 high schools. We wow. have 528 fine arts teachers. We have 107,000 students in the district, and 87,000 of those are in fine arts programs. So, wow. So it's just a little bit about what I do. It's very cool. I mean, okay. this is – well, you, you guys are amazing. I'm, I'm so excited you're here. Like, the fact that they brought you guys here is amazing to me. So, so all right, Don, I'll let you go next. Okay. Hi, my name is Don Haynes. I am a – Music educator and music consultant now with um, about 43, 44 years of experience under my belt. Taught high school for 40 years. And um, I'm really excited to be a part of this uh, Arcadia Music Arts Symposium. I love speaking and doing a little life coaching on the side, um, conducting region bands. And what else do I enjoy doing? Yard work and and I get a lot of phone calls from younger band directors and saying, hey, I've got a problem. I need some help. And with my years of experience and just having been down that road several times, I think it's important that uh, our younger band directors get a good mentor. So I, I really cherish the opportunity to be a mentor and continue to teach music, whether it's an occasional clinic or um, having a – in Texas we have – our state is divided up into like 32 regions – and this region might ask me to come over and be a clinician. So I enjoy doing that. And other band directors and sometimes orchestra directors will call me around town, Central Texas, and say, hey, will you come work my group? And it gives me an opportunity to share some ideas, some musical ideas, what I, I have with them. So um, that's pretty much what I'm doing now, and that's my past. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad that you're still involved in sharing your expertise. Right. You great. Know? I mean, Thank that you. people need it. And we're going to yeah. talk about mentors a little bit. I know you mentioned that. I love it. Dr. Ramirez, I'll let you introduce yourself next. Week. I am uh, Abel Ramirez. I am the director of bands at Del Mar College in Corpus Christi. Uh, it's interesting how my, my life started out at Del Mar College. When I graduated from high school in 1981, I actually went to Del Mar as a music major and then left the profession to go make a million dollars in the oil industry. Uh, three years later, when the oil embargo occurred and the industry collapsed, I went back into music. Uh, <laughs> I should have never left music in the first place, but a lot of my friends that I was hanging out with had family members in Exxon and Forest Oil, Dinero Oil, so I kind of got seduced into pursuing a career path that had to do with uh, with the big oil companies. But anyway, I went back to my passion, received my undergraduate degree from the University of Texas in San Antonio, got my master's degree from uh, A&M Kingsville, and uh, I got my doctorate in conducting, uh, wind band conducting. Uh, I studied with Dr. Thomas Lee of UCLA. My very first job uh, was at Northside uh, Independent School District at Oliver Wendell Holmes High School. This gentleman sitting across the table from me gave me the chance of a lifetime. And that changed my life. The things I learned uh, from both of these gentlemen here, uh, literally, uh, provided me all the tools or a lot of the tools that I needed to pursue an advanced degree, and uh, I taught, after Holmes High School, I taught at uh, California State University in Los Angeles, uh, where I was the director of advanced for five years, and that led me to an appointment at the University of Illinois in Champaign, which is the largest school of music in the world for bands, 
historically probably the most significant school of music in the world for bands. That's where the band movement actually started. So it was an honor to be on that faculty. I was the acting director of bands for one year and the associate director of bands uh, for three. That led me back to Del Mar College. I received a phone call one day, and they asked me if I was interested in coming back home, and I jumped all over it. It's the best decision I ever made because I got to be by, with my family again. That's where I'm from, and I figured this would be an opportunity for me to be with my parents while everybody aged gracefully and mm. we're all together. Right. And, um, and I'm, I'm having the time of my life right now. Awesome. It has been an adventure. Well, I think it's amazing that you three are here, and I'm excited that you're in the room right now with me talking to us on the podcast. The session that you, you guys did a session this morning of Secrets of Texas Band Directors. Well, that's going to perk up everybody's ears. But there are things that you guys have going on in Texas that everybody knows. There's really great things going on in the world of music and band in mm -hmm. Texas. So I asked you to just pull out a few of the points that you made in your presentation because it was, you know, we had an hour and a half or whatever. So where would you guys like to start in your discussion from this morning? I'll go ahead and go first. One of the things that I feel we do really well, and I certainly don't mean this to sound like we're comparing the Texas way to anyone else, but just to share what we've been doing for a very long time, and I'm just going to use that one word called networking, and how you learn to do this particular craft, because there's so many moving parts. You can be a great musician, but not necessarily a good teacher. And if that's you, then there are people out there that you can pick up the phone and call and have them come over and work with your marching band or your concert band or your jazz band, any part of that. You also have this thing called private lessons program. And I know it sounds like it's um, an extra feature, but there's some things that you can really do. And maybe one of my colleagues here will go into more detail on that. But uh, Everyone seems to think that if you don't have private lessons, then your program is not going to be successful, and that's just not the case. But again, I go back to the word of, of networking. If I don't know how to get my percussion section to be better, and I'm not a percussionist, then it's great for me to pick up the phone or call someone who maybe knows someone. And we do that really well. And you learn how to do that when you're a young band director, because quite often you're going to discover when you watch someone else's band say at a high school game friday night and you're going all right my kids are working their tail off but we're not getting anywhere close to the same kind of audience response what am i doing wrong so you're constantly trying to tone tone up your scale uh, your 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 level of success as a teacher and if you don't do that then you're going to fall way behind but at the same time you want to have a place in the child's life where you're teaching them to be joyful, to be social, to become dependable and reliable. Uh, all of those things. Band music, but particularly because of the crazy things we do in band, whether it's trips or going to football games or giving concert, we, we hold them accountable and they learn that those skills that really does pay off. It's like an investment in their future. And colleges and universities really want students that have those skills. You can be the yeah. smartest, sharpest kid on campus, but if you don't know how to communicate and you don't know how to follow orders and you're not well organized, yeah. then that university has to pick up the slack. And sometimes they want the smartest people 
and I could name some universities. I won't, but that's all they want. <laughs> they want some of the smartest people. Oh, on come the on, give us some names. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are other universities that say we want well-rounded right. citizens, right. young students, people who are going to be comfortable contributing what they learn. Because our country is so diverse and so large, the university of this part of the country really is going to need to be able to connect and interact with other, you know, the, for example, the southern part of our country thinks a little differently than the southwest and then the west and the northeast. I mean, let's face it, that's what we are all sure. about. Right. Music is that joining point. We are all going to sit down and make music together. It doesn't matter where you're from. And I think that's one of the beauties that we start them. First of all, I got to give them a skill, teach them how to make good sound on their horn, and then they can just, just like throwing your cell up on a boat. It just, now comes the wind. It's just going to take yeah. them wherever they want to go. Okay, so I have a question, though, because there are a lot of places where band readers don't talk to each other. They don't collaborate. They don't have mentors or whatever. So how, does, how did that culture come to be, or how could somebody that's out there listening to this conversation, how do they start to foster that? Texas band directors, um, we just, we always have shared you know, I've been in this industry 43 years, and that has just been something established way back, hmm. that, that our teachers, uh, our great teachers, Don shared a beautiful handout today from three of the greatest middle school directors that we have in the state of Texas, and it's a simple roadmap uh, system, a procedure that's in place that says, so if you follow this roadmap, your bands, your program will get better. In Texas, there's no deep, dark secret as there is anywhere else in the country. Notes is notes, rhythms are rhythms, <laughs> and, and people are maybe looking for a quick fix, and it's not there. But uh, Texas band directors are eager to share with one another, and, and even if you suspect somebody doesn't want to share, uh, they sure enough won't share unless you go up to them and ask them. Mm. You, know, uh, you need to develop for yourself, and, and the directors in, in Texas have developed an environment in which it's safe to fail, not a fail-safe environment. Mm -hmm. And that starts with the individual stepping out and asking questions. to be, uh, Get around those people that make you a little nervous that, because you know what they do for work. Don't be afraid to hear what isn't working. You don't get better unless you know what isn't working. Uh, at the state level, you know, in our, in our Texas Music Educator Association, we have so many drop-down menus on the website. One of them allows directors to sign up as mentors, and another one allows mentees to go on there and find people and ask questions. You know, with technology, there's so many marvelous ways yeah. to expand your networking. So if, if a person's not getting the information they need, I look at it as being their fault. They just need to reach out there and, and just pursue that with a relentless effort in, in finding people that are master teachers in different areas of, of music education and, and sticking to them. Because I think sometimes young directors, maybe not in Texas, maybe the culture there already makes this happen, but I think a lot of young directors are afraid to show that they don't know everything or that their students might find out that they're not good at something. So I think this is very cool. If there's something in the culture where they know, I can say, I don't know this, and I'm going to find out. But like, is there a way that that's fostered? Well, I think, first of all, one of the, in my experience, and I've had the, the, the luxury of, of working and teaching both in Texas and in California. So since we're guests here in California, I, I guess there is some sort of comparison to be made, and I can speak through experience because one of the things that I have found that 
it's, it's, it's a critical element in the, in the entire success formula, if you will, that is missing uh, here, in, in, at least in, in my experience in California, is oftentimes, for example, we talked about mentoring. It's the follow-through where we miss the boat. There have been times where I have clinic bands, and the band director fails to sit down and take notes. As a matter of fact, may even leave the room and go answer the phone. Oh, or, wow. you know, And I'm like, okay, I'm here to clinic the group technically, but I'm here to help you. Yeah, this, oh, is yeah. a, th- this mentoring mm-hmm. session is not for the kids, man. This is you. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, and what really breaks my heart is that sometimes I'll follow through on that myself and go and work the group maybe three months down the road, and the problem continues to exist, which leads me to believe one thing. They're not following the game plan that I outlined for them. So it's that follow-through that so really... they're not taking your advice. They're not taking the advice to heart. Ah, they're, ah. they're using it as a quick fix. Come work my band. Ooh, they sound great. I'll fix a couple of more things. Three months down the road, you've got the same problem. Because they, 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 don't, uh, they don't approach it as putting a new system in place. They approach it as it's a quick fix. A lot of young band directors, sometimes some seasoned band directors, I think, are, are, are guilty of that. Not capable of creating a vision long term as opposed to the short term. Right. Okay? So what they don't realize is that sometimes it's painful to go through these short term fixes. You know? I remember Mr. Machuk will tell me once, I'm going to put something in a place that's going to allow your band to play this six months down the road. He goes, it's going to be painful. You're going to hate the sound of your band. As a matter of fact, your band is going to sound horrible. <laughs> Stick with it. Stick with it. And there were rehearsals I, I was in and I, was, I, I would call him up and I said, okay, in my mind, I, was, I wanted to tell him, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what I wanted to tell him. A lot of people have said You know what I mean? <laughs> and he shared a, a, a saying with me, which I'm going to mark it. So anybody hearing this, if I see a T-shirt with this on there, I will, I, I will prosecute. Okay? Uh, but he said, uh, young man, he goes, it ain't how you drive. It's how you arrive. And I was like, Whoa, whoa. Again, he's, he's obviously a golfer. You know what I mean? Uh, he's already made several references to the golf course across the street at, 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 at nauseum. You know? You're taunting us from over here across but, the way. But, you know, I listened to that, that advice, um, and I adhered to, to the game plan that he put into place for me, showed me how to do it. I made some mistakes, but you correct those mistakes. But it really isn't, at the end of the day, isn't it about ego? Don't we, aren't we all egotistical human beings? We're all egotistical animals. It's just how we, ga- how we manage that and control that. That, d- does, you know, that really defines our character. Hmm. Because the ego that I have now, even though these gentlemen will think it's monumental, is actually quite small compared to the one I had when I first started. <laughs> I am biting my lip in <laughs> So it's the follow-through. You know? Don was talking about the nurturing. and, and uh, you know, If you really think about it, We are nothing more than we're human character builders. Hmm. And our craft involves music. It's nothing more than a tool. If I was a math teacher, I would build character in kids through numbers. If I was a science teacher, I would do that through experimentation, you know, hit and miss, what works, what doesn't. If I was an English teacher, you do it in written form and in spoken language. I'm going to help you become a better human being through that. But as musicians... It is all inclusive. Mm. We use all faculties. We use all of the arts and all of the sciences to create a student, to make them a better human being. 
Uh, and I think in Texas, we have really mastered that because of the camaraderie that we have, the mistakes that we make. I was not, and I still remain very, uh, I, I, don't, I don't hesitate at all to pick up the phone and say, okay, I've conducted this piece of music in my early career, and then I just heard it performed again from XYZ Conductor. Good night, nurse, what happened? I thought I knew the score. And what I don't know about music, after, after studying with a guy like Robert Winter at, at UCLA, uh, shrinks my existence down to complete insignificance when you compare it to a person like that. And that was the first time that that barrier between the left side of my head and the right side of my head actually got broken down. Because what I don't know is a whole heck of a lot. And I want to spend the rest of my life, the Marshall Ram Band that uh, Mr. Manchilka used to be in charge of uh, when he first started out, their motto was this, the relentless pursuit of excellence. And that mm. burned into my brain like there's no tomorrow. I don't think I've ever mentioned that to him. It was, it was, it was just one of those things that, that, wow. And it changes your life, literally. Right. Um, right. So I think the mentoring... The, what doesn't exist, I had a friend of mine at Santa Monica High School, Terry Sacco, I'll mention his name because he's a dear friend of mine, who I would invite to go down to Texas for TBA, the Texas Bandmasters Association Convention. And his jaw was dragging on the floor the moment that plane landed because he couldn't believe the structure. He couldn't believe the size of the organization. He couldn't believe the mentoring that existed there. He couldn't believe the camaraderie. And he was like, you guys actually talk to each other. And I just had, a, we had lunch uh, at, a, at a table with band directors from different districts and different regions. And they were sharing ideas and they're, hey, come work my band. He goes, man, I can't get my trumps to do that because he knew that band director was a trump player. He was going to go help them, even though he was going to compete with them three weeks down the road. That right, kind of but, thing. But you've got them all thinking about it's about the kids and Absolutely. the education and Absolutely. not about the trophies or Absolutely. the contest. But that's not the way it is everywhere. No, it's not. So like, how do Clearly. you do that? How do, how do people turn that corner? Well, you made a comment, James. You said you talked to the young band directors today. You said, you are the future. Make the change. What yeah, are you waiting was, for? They're, they're sitting there. They're waiting for something to happen. They just need to – You just. I, I did that in our own district that when we didn't have something in place, we just had to look at each other and say, let's create it. Mm. And let's go through the hard knocks until we get it where we want it to be. And um, it, this symposium is, is an incredible way and place to start. Right. And synergy right. grows an organization, or and, and people want to belong to a champion. They, they want to belong to a winner. They want to belong to something that's prestigious and helps. And, and the way to do that is to make everybody else around you better than yourself. You know, that's a servant's heart approach to leadership. That's how we operate in Northside, from the superintendent down. Uh, so if they start just with that approach of, of looking at the colleagues sitting around them and they say, you know what, I'm, it's my job to help and give to the others whatever I can to make them better. When you start doing that, you grow synergy, you grow a culture, and it spreads. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, sometimes when I find myself an opportunity to share some really cool concepts with even if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, have a cup of coffee with some friends. I like to play the what-if game. And I know we're here in the great state of California, and I have had several little conversations, and I'm going to make it a bigger conversation through the magic of this podcast, is yeah. what if enough band directors, whether it's two or 200, decide what if we used a model like Texas or like, and you can pick any other state, where you, in your own world of friends and colleagues, want to say, what if we did this? And I think the whole 
idea of why California is stuck, if people want to go down that road with me, just in terms of this conversation, is are you happy with what you see? If not, change it. If you want to muscle up, you got to do something different. If you want to lose weight, you got to do something different. So if, and I'm hearing this, and it's nothing major, but it's like, wow, well, we don't do that here in California. And what do you guys do in Texas? And that's what our talk was all about. Yeah. One of the other things that I want to just add to the mix, and I like these two words when you put them together, a systematic approach. And not only are you going to learn how to do a lot of really cool things in college, what they don't teach you in college is because this just not enough. You'd have to almost be in college for seven or eight years, and that's not going to work. Uh, who's going to do that? But when you get a job and they say, okay, all right, got me a job. I'm the assistant director or I'm the drum percussion instructor or I'm the head band director. How do I do this? There are so many moving parts. You can't wrap your brain around it. So you just sort of take it a little bit at a time. So systematically, and that was one of the handoffs that I was able to share. I didn't put it together, but that's what we do. We share ideas. Mm -hmm. And if someone's going to take the time and do a lot of research and go, okay, this is what I've done over the last 15 years, and then I'm going to share it with my friends, then that's to me is like giving you the combination to the lock where you can open up that lock and, oh, my gosh, and you become a better teacher for your students. And then that's what it's all about. So if you want to create something amazing, what is it? you have to describe it first. What do we want to look like? What do we want to be like? Today at 530, I'm going to be talking about what is your vision and how do you go about creating one? Do you, do you really want to have that? And I think most people say yes. And speaking of vision, somewhere long time ago, decades ago, maybe even as early as 1910, 1920, the state of Texas had pioneer band directors thinking they couldn't know what we had, what we have now. But somewhere in the beginning, when we started doing all this band stuff, they set in a, put a place a structure where we started sounding pretty, pretty good. Not everyone, but there was that standard. And so band directors and programs that were kind of down here on the totem pole said, I want to sound better. What do we do? And I, and I think it would be good to, before we end to talk a little bit about one of those driving forces that the, we call it UIL. And I'm going to let James talk to you about that or, 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 or Abel as far as accountability and stuff like that. But to me, there's so many different things we could talk about. But the number one thing in my mind that I want to really drive home with to everyone is take a look at what's going on around you and, and believe that you can be a part of that. Or you can also do that. I want my marching band to be, wow, okay, your kids are just, just like Abel's kids and James' kids and Tim's kids. It's you, the teacher, that has to go out and find that systematic approach to changing that. And that, that to me, is the beauty of what we do best in Texas is we're not, we don't hesitate at all to share. In fact, it's an honor for someone to call you and ask you to come make their band a little bit better or a lot better that's an obligation because someone yeah. did it for you. Now I get to do it for the next guy. You know, even in that sharing process though, between directors close to one another or a long way across the state, uh, they still have to, and they embrace the expectation that you have to steer the course. 
there's not a quick fix to what we're talking about that uh, just historically Texas band directors steer the course. They, they, they put a system in place and they stick with it. Uh, it's, and it's process-driven. We teach kids how to play the instruments, uh, teach them well how to play the instruments, and, and when you teach great process, the product will take care of itself. Hmm. You know, we have this governing body, University Interscholastic League, and I'm going to defer back to Don to give you an overview of it because it is, it's very special. From my perspective as a music administrator and even as a teacher in the classroom, uh, it's, it's a virtue and a vice. We curse it and we love it. Because the rigor in there and the guidelines can just drive you crazy because they shift those and tweak those. But over the course of decades, uh, we, we can thank the UIL or the University Interscholastic League for holding us accountable as teachers so that our students truly have the best that we're supposed to be able to give them. But I'm going to let Don talk a little bit about how that structure came about because I think it's, it's a key piece, and I think that somewhere in our conversations today in this uh, uh, panel discussion that I think the, the band directors and music educators in California are primed, and I think they need mm -hmm. to take a step of faith and get together now and put something together that is truly cohesive and reflective of the entire state. Mm -hmm. One of the things I was able to share with our, our um, uh, group this morning was a little bit of history of what we call UIL and how it came to be. And I'm just going to say roughly 80, 90 years ago, it just like the NCAA that governs the rules and the regulations for college sports and other activities that are related to college, they all have to follow the same rules. And it's the governing body. They're not trying to run our lives, but they say, let's keep it very um, even in terms of you and you and you and you follow the same rules, but it's all in the best interest of education, whether it's academics or athletics or music. And since we're all musicians, then we'll focus in on the music part. So fortunately, we had some band directors and band director types, administrators, who said, guys, this is going to be great. I can imagine them being sort of like, you know, when our, the forefathers of the country is like, what are we going to do here? I don't know. Let's start this thing, this, this constitution thing. I don't know. Well, I don't, let's, let's vote. You know, you have to hammer it out. And I imagine certain school districts or a state has to decide whether you're going to do that. At any rate, so UIL had a had enough pioneers at its start and you can push fast forward and we now can say that we're a governing body that is there put in place to help promote the growth of whatever the activity is but we better put a few rules in so that this person over here doesn't overstep the intention of the rules for example you can only rehearse during marching season eight hours outside of your class period. And the reason you have that limit is so that we don't have band directors that are going to abuse the children's time and say maybe rehearse 12, 13, 14 hours because they still have to go home and do homework and, uh, mm -hmm. and all of that. So th there's, and that's just not what they do. UIL is fully engaged in so many different things, but it, it can be a little bit of a pain because you have ideas, but UIL says, this is what we want you to do when you go to this festival. And it is 
supported by the band directors and administrators and so forth. So that's one of the main things that we can all point to in Texas. If you were going to move from one state into Texas and they said, okay, now when you go to UIL, people say, what's that? So it's some, it's everyday part of our, it's, it's the language we speak. Mm. It is these, these are the rules and guidelines and recommendations. And it was all generated by people who really care about the whole entity of music education in Texas, and it is so well supported. So that's kind of a little bit of a background and, and, and why it's so important and, and well received for all of our activities. The assessment's kind of interesting on that uh, UIL uh, format because initially all groups are assessed against a standard, an imaginary standard that's established by rubric. So it's not a heads-up competition. Uh, your solo ensemble events for individual students, uh, uh, those are all just against the standard. At the region level, your band, choir, and orchestra concert site reading and your marching contests or assessments are all against the standard. Only after you reach the region level, you go to the area or the state level, then it becomes more of a heads-up event. So it allows... All classifications, small schools, uh, schools that might only have 25 students in a band program, grades 7 to 12 marching. I mean, mm. it's, a, uh, it's a beautiful standard so that it allows teachers to truly be uh, in, the, in the field of assessment and, and be accurately assessed and not having to worry about competing against one another. Now, I'm the, probably the most competitive person on the planet, but uh, it, you have to learn how to balance that, and I think this system does that in, in a great way. From my perspective as a fine arts administrator, I use those critiques as a way to market, and directors should. They should take those critique sheets and, 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 and use them and promote them with their campus administrators, their district office. The world needs to see the great things that kids are doing not the bad things. That's all we ever hear about. And, and, and success in that format is a great way to, to study patterns of what you need to provide for resources to improve. Uh, and, and directors need to embrace those critiques and look at what's not positive on their sheet and, and make changes. You know, all data is good. It's either positive or negative, but there's, there's, data's not bad. We just want to sometimes look at things that are negative and then just push it aside. And we only want to hear the good things. So mm -hmm. I, I use those critiques as a way to really, truly market the great things that teachers and kids are doing. And mm -hmm. it allows programs that are in all economic areas to perform and be assessed and do well. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's critical. Yeah, one thing about assessment and evaluation, UIL does a lot of things. And uh, uh, Mr. Machulka made a comment earlier that, Sometimes we love it, sometimes we hate it. Let me give you an example of what I absolutely cannot stand when I was dealing with UIL. I'm teaching community college right now, but I still deal with uh, a lot of high school and middle school band directors, and I can feel their pain because I was in that boat once. It's the paperwork. If you're going to take a, a, an ensemble, let's say a concert band, to an event, you've got to register their names their eligibility, which is another huge thing that UIL does, it governs and it gauges eligibility. Make sure that everybody's eligible because mm -hmm. if you don't, there's no pass, no play, uh, is critical. And, and it's, it's, it's an important feature. Uh, but when, when you fill out that paperwork, it is meticulous and there are deadlines which are, uh, I mean, they're just not forgiving. You miss a deadline, you can't, you're done. You know? So you have to make sure it's a very long process and then you have to have signatures. You have to have administrative signatures. So it's, it's a long, drawn-out process. It's very meticulous, but it's very important because it keeps 
every detail, not just every band director, but every detail in the process, it, it creates a level of accountability. Make sure that you know what you're doing. You don't have a choice. You can't make uh, these types of errors. Now, in terms of accountability and assessment, one thing that disappointed me when I uh, worked in California was I found out, I had discovered that uh, if your band wasn't doing so well a certain year, just don't go to festival. And that's okay. I, I can understand that. It's, you know, you do what you want with your program, but where is the assessment and where is the, uh, the accountability and, and where's the measurement of growth? How are you going to measure or gauge where you've gone from, if you've gone anywhere from point A to point B, if there's any, any improvement or if there's some things perhaps that you need to work on? Uh, one thing that I love about evaluations and assessments and those types of items is that it not just shares with you in, 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 in written form or in a rubric what you're doing well, but it identifies weaknesses, you know? And at the end of the day, if your ensemble has weaknesses, that's your fault because kids are going to do exactly what you tell them to do. More importantly, they're going to do it exactly the way you teach them. Hmm. Okay. And here's the downfall. If they're not doing things that let's say a UIL sheet, a rubric says you should be doing then it's not that you're doing a poor job teaching all the time. It's just that you're not doing any teaching at all. If we can't do this, maybe I'm missing this concept completely. In California, you have an option. You have an opportunity to opt out of that. Mm. I totally disagree with that. I, that's like taking a vacation. My band's not any good this year. We're going to take the year off. Really? I wish any, you know, think about in any profession, you have evaluations, you know, your, your, your boss wants to help you interpret where you're at. And if you want promotion down the road, it's the way we exist in this country. It's the way business operates. It's really important when you're dealing with kids. If I have a child in your band and you're not being evaluated and assessed on a regular basis, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel with that mm. because that's my child. And the only way for me to measure the quality of education they're receiving is for you to be evaluated. That's important to me. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that, that is one thing that in Texas, the, the, this subject matter here is secrets of Texas bands. It's not a secret. UIL is all over the Internet. Punch it up. It's pretty much a non-negotiable. Absolutely. Right. Well, if you're dodging because you feel like your band isn't doing well, then you're sort of missing the whole point, don't you think, of why you're teaching and what you're trying to accomplish? I mean, I know people are afraid of bad evaluations, but that's part of it, right? Yeah. I just had a thought that I think would really be helpful, if not powerful. <laughs> UIL was based on and built and grew on an assessment against the standard. It wasn't competing band against band against band. And I think in many other states that I've been to and, and judged and clinicked in, it's more about the competition. Hey, we're going to go to this parade or we're going to go to this festival. And, oh, look at all the first place trophies we have. And I'm not knocking that. But what I am doing is comparing what's more important, competing against band A, B, and C? Maybe. Or is it more important that you teach to a certain level and you keep raising those levels of expectations with what kind of outcome do you want? Why, why are you teaching? Are you teaching to fill your band hall full of trophies or something maybe much better and more powerful than that? Is teaching young people to become 
fabulous citizens that are, because they're not going to all be band directors when you when they graduate and we know that mm. so up until like 1980 uil didn't have this thing called the state marching contest and the reason it was invented was to not let boa come in and just you know nothing against boa by the way but boa was already making its way down into texas where there's a tremendous lot of uh, amount of resources and great bands and all that boa is great but it has its own reasons for existence uil has a completely different philosophy but we also didn't want to lose out i mean i'm just telling you like it is did not want to lose out on the not only the resources and the historical value of music and it is a competitive industry mm -hmm. if we all want to be first tier in the chicago symphony on our instrument you got to compete to get that spot mm. so not taking away competition but what i'm saying is for the masses what we what i what i value as an educator is not all the trophies and we certainly have plenty at my school that's going to happen that's going to come you're going to go to festivals where you can win a trophy. But you also get a trophy from UIL that means something different. Yeah, James, you made a comment to me once. Uh, he was helping me work. And Gary Rosenblatt, who I, I want to mention as well, is, is also a mentor of mine. Uh, these two gentlemen really gave me uh, the kickstart that I needed uh, in my career. And I remember uh, you were talking about... Uh, assessments and evaluations and, and, and things of that nature. When he made that comment, it ain't how you drive, it's how you arrive. That's just one of many, many sayings that these gentlemen had down the road. And I remember one time James said, look, if you do this and you take care of these items on this laundry list here, then the trophies and the championships are going to fall into your lap. In other words, one hand washes the other. And I didn't understand the concept of that at first because I thought if I want to compete, i got to go head first right away into the music, start attacking. See, this is the bottom line to me that people miss. We've been talking a lot about process. Right. I think you're, you know, I, I always say everybody wants all dessert and no veggies. <laughs> you know? So, it, you know what I mean? Like, you have to go through the process. I love that that's sort of the point you guys are making, I think, right. is you have to have a plan and work it and do that work. And then the rest of it does take care of itself. Then you do well at contests because mm -hmm. your band, you've taken them there. I think Gary would always tell you, you can't cook a two-minute egg in a minute and 30. Remember that? <laughs> that's good. Absolutely. You know, that puts things in perspective. Uh, but I keep going back, and we keep recircling to steer the course. Develop a plan that's systemic, that's, that's proven, and you don't have to invent something. Just if something's already there, which Don provided today, don't reinvent the wheel. Just follow it and steer the course. And yeah. one of the things is we could go through, all three of us, for the next eight days, a laundry list of tricks on how to make your band sound better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a vision or a game plan, all of those are Band-Aid jobs. Right. They'll make your band sound great until the sun goes down. For a period, a short period. Yeah. By the time the sun comes back up, you're back to square one. It's like yeah. spinning your wheels and going deeper in the sand yeah. constantly. Yeah, you know basics. what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. Basics. So the painful part for me, and I mean it, was there were times where I had to put my ego on the shelf where the tools that were provided for me to make this happen down the road. 
And there's another phrase that he says. Uh, he says, and I'll, I have these committed to memory like there's no tomorrow. And I use this with my kids all the time. Yeah. He goes, you know, the, the, it's the, the, the painful short-term dividends that will provide, uh, no, short-term pain, actually, that will provide successful long-term dividends. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Which and, is really uh, the way life works. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Nobody likes to admit of course. it. But. So that's what I noticed firsthand in between the two states. Uh, between right, the, the, right. The, 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 the setup in California and the setup in Texas is process and, and, and systematic approach to things. Uh, one thing that I've really never understood is the difference between Northern California and Southern California, like SCSBOA. I understand the significance of the organization. I don't understand the significance of its existence. And I'll take, let me explain to you what I mean by that. I've never heard of a, an all-state group or an honor group from Northern California or North Texas, that is, and then South Texas. You know, we're the South Texas all-state band, but Austin, Texas is the borderline. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I asked my colleagues here in California, why is there a Northern California this and a Southern California? And he says, Abel, because, and he was very blunt. He says, because they cannot shake hands and make a joyful noise together. They don't agree. And they have some philosophical things that they're never going to agree on. And I thought, and, and Terry said, you're from Texas. Why don't you help start a movement and all that? And at that time, I said, oh, man, I'm in way over my head. I need to live here for a few years and get to know the system because mm. I didn't want to do it from an outside perspective. Right, right, right. You know, but I wasn't here long enough. I wouldn't. And, and I would have gladly at least helped guide the ship right. into the right direction if that's but, what they wanted. Well, and unfortunately, we're going to have to start wrapping this up. But one, you guys have made some points along that line. Mm -hmm. The point about I loved um, that you said – um, like be the change, do it, make it, you know, if you want something to be different, then do it, you know, and then you also talked about mentoring and getting, asking for help. So you put those two things together. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be the change. I'm going to start making the difference and I'm going to get help. Talk to my friends. That's a, that's something that anybody listening can, that's a, you can do that today. You can start that right now. You know, so I, you guys have, I mean, this is such a great conversation. You shared so much helpful information, but those are the nuggets for me that were like, especially like, wow, mm -hmm. like um, you talked so much about working together and don't wait for somebody else to do it. You know, like if your band's not playing well, then start, do it now, yeah. right? You know, to figure out why your state's not working the way you want and start like, that's great advice. Right. I'm going to give you each the chance to say one final thing and then I've got to get to the next recording. So uh, James, I'll let you go first. Any final thoughts before we go? Just briefly. Wow. Well, first of all, my first thought is I've learned a lot from the folks in California. You know, mm. I see that the young teachers and the and the master teachers I've listened to uh, during this symposium, there's a wealth of knowledge here. Absolutely. And I've learned so much. It's been a, a tremendous privilege just to be here. Uh, folks in Texas are always well, are always eager to help one another in the in the state and outside of the state. So, uh, you know, whatever we can do to to help people that's important uh, the other thing i would say is that if all of you will just start talking shop if directors will constantly talk shop in a meaningful way things good happen awesome don that's final thoughts from absolutely well I, I love the thought of music is a universal language and having been in south carolina and conducted a band and also in new mexico and texas and it's all the same music is music mm. It's what it means to that different country or that different culture, right? And if there is a movement, I would be so excited for the, the educators right. of California. Right. Right. So my 
close the final thought would be keep doing what you're doing dream big and try to make it better but don't be afraid to be that that match that strikes and yeah. starts the fire to go yeah that's okay? great all right, Dr. Ramirez, you're getting the final word. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my friends say, and last, but certainly not, <laughs> well, last, <laughs> I'm used to it. I understand. I want to thank uh, Tony Nunez and, and uh, Maurice Lamone for, for having us out here. Yeah. When, I, when I received the phone call from John Burdett, and he says, we want to bring some Texas perspectives. And I knew immediately. I, and he says, are there any, some names you can recommend? I, I laughed hysterically. I said, are you kidding me? I said, no, don't worry about it. I'll, t- I'll take care of this. Uh, I said, you got to call James Pachulka and, uh, and Don Haynes. Um, and these, these guys are icons in the state of Texas. They will always be icons in the state of Texas. Uh, they are the reason why guys like me get to enjoy fruitful, fun, great careers. Because I have loved my life, uh, my musical life. But it wasn't because uh, it, it, it happened magically. It happened because these guys uh, wrote the, the, the rules and the regulations that govern how we teach music in that mm-hmm. part of the country. And it has been a very successful product. Uh, of course, then the product's on the shelf. Anybody can pull it down and examine it, cut it open, and see how it works. But they have to follow through on it and find a yeah. vision and stick to it. So I want to thank these guys for providing me the right. opportunity to have a great, a great career. It's been fun. Well, thank you guys for taking time to talk to me on a very, very busy weekend here at Arcadia. It's been awesome. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Watch for other podcasts from the Arcadia Music and Arts Symposium, including conversations with some of the biggest names in the marching arts. Find out more about the Arcadia Symposium at ArcadiaSymposium.com. Keep up with podcasts we're recording and when they'll be released by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And get our bi-weekly newsletter, which also tells you when things are coming out, by signing up for a VIP membership at marchingroundtable.com. Imagine having your best season ever. You and your staff can learn from an online course with Scott Chandler of the Blue Devils, our activity's most successful designer. The new course is Scott Chandler, Design Advice from Forward March. And you can sign up as an individual or sign up your entire staff at one lower cost at marchingartseducation.com. It's over five hours of great ideas with information about very practical ways to put the ideas into action with your group right away. Find out more at marchingartseducation.com. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, DeMolin Brothers & Company, found at demolin.com. Thanks again to Tony Nunez and everyone at the Arcadia Symposium for having the Marching Roundtable there to do these interviews and watch for more podcasts from the event. And thank you so much for listening. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should consider sponsoring an episode of the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach, and with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast. Thanks.